0: Hello, I'm Dr. Lisa Belisle, and you are listening to or watching Radio Maine. This is our video podcast that celebrates creativity and the human spirit, which is sponsored and produced by the Portland Art Gallery located in Portland, Maine. And today I'm very fortunate to have in the studio with me Carolyn Delaney, who is the founder of Journey Enterprises. Thanks for coming in today.
1: Thanks for having me. I'm really happy to be here.
0: Well, I'm really happy that you're here. You've actually had, um, talk about Journeys. Let's, let's start with what is Journey Enterprises, but then I really wanna talk more about you.
1: Sure, so Journey Enterprises is a media company on a mission to make recovery from addiction more visible to more people in more places. We really want the conversation to be more um, accessible, approachable. Uh, we believe that visible recovery will save lives. And how did you get to be interested in this? Well, it's an interesting story because it started, it actually started in 1990, probably in the 90s, is when the name Journey was, um, is from, I I got sober in 1993. So my path to recovery um, was, uh, sorry, I just need to So I got sober in 93, so I'm a woman in long-term recovery. My path leading up to getting sober um, was a decade of trying to stop drinking alcohol and doing drugs um, without really understanding that there was nothing in there that I could control. I ended up on the streets of Portland as a um, homeless Gutter drunk is really uh, where my path led me, and I had two children. So I had, a, I had two two kiddos, and in 1991, the state stepped in for the first time. In 92, they stepped in again. I um I I ended up in a 12-step program, and I went to rehab in November of 92 is when I went to rehab so crossroads of Maine and Wyndham and it was there that I learned that I have this this disease of addiction that I can't control with my own head and it's really it was really almost a moment of horror when I realized that there was nothing I physically could do to stop myself from picking up that first drink and my um, my early st- steps into recovery was a rehab and then a women's halfway house called a Vodia House and then a transitional residence called Macaulay residence. And it was at Macaulay that I got my kiddos back. So when I was in Macaulay from 93 and 94, I had a I was the first alcoholic there. And they knew that as a woman in early recovery with no life skills and no parenting skills that I really needed a lot of support around me. And I got my kids back. I got an apartment. I bought a house. I got married. I've just had this amazing second bonus life that I really didn't think was possible I really didn't think it was possible. So fast forward 25 years, I've been in large IT. I managed large IT departments my entire professional career. And in 2017 is when the first seed was planted, literally, for Journey. And it was a dream, like a dream, like a sleeping dream. And it was about this newsletter um, from the 90s that I was a, a desktop publisher on a Macintosh, which was really new in those days. And I had a dream about the banner on the top of the newsletter, completely out of the blue. I had my own consulting business. I was doing um, data integration and automation is my jam. And completely out of the blue, I had this dream. And from that dream, amazing things have unfolded over the last seven years. And Journey Enterprises is um, kind of the birth of that. I think what you're
0: describing and modeling is so crucial to moving to a new place of our understanding of substance abuse disorder. Mm-hmm. I mean, the the stigma around um, substance use and substance abuse and the people mm-hmm. that are um, that have this disease is so difficult to overcome. I mean, so it's so easy to make assumptions right, right. about the. Who these people are, because these these people are not these people. These people are us. Right. I mean, right. Right. I, and I think that f- to be able to tell that story and to be able to say, listen, this isn't this isn't somebody that you don't recognize. This is your sister, your neighbor, your mother, your grandmother. Can happen any age it can happen to right. any person and it can have really a devastating impact on any life or series of
1: life around it right exactly exactly and i thought when i started journey i my, my the reason i started journey is because there are so many 12 there's so many recovery programs out there millions of beautiful stories about people reclaiming their lives and healing the damage done cuz there's a lot of damage Repairing relationships, uh, and you know, being engaged community members. But we look, you know, we're your neighbors, and your tellers, and your waitresses, and your bankers, and your you know, we're we're everywhere. And that was the story initially that I really set out to tell with Journey was to lift up and amplify these stories and the programs and the resources because in media, so this was 2019, so this wasn't that long ago, but really all we saw in the news was the overdose deaths. That's all we were seeing. And there was this group of us that were like, wait a minute, there's another side of that. That is not the the only way um, through this addiction. And so when I started Journey, I thought that I was going to be met with a lot of stigma. And really, my experience has been a handful of people that have been really (laughs) interesting conversations. Um, My... What I've come to see for myself is that so many people are affected. So many people are affected. And that it's really, it's a lack of understanding and a lack of awareness. And I, I, some people think everybody knows everybody knows. Everybody doesn't know. I, I've, I've met people who don't, who, who seriously, legitimately don't know that AA is free. Like I'm sh- a shocking Shocking. Uh, so my my first year and with Journey, I was I was only met with two people that said no to my magazine when I was out doing distribution, and um, my um, my experience was that people were affected. People hadn't had a person, like that's what I would hear. Like, yeah, my you know, and quiet, quiet, um, and that actually gave me a lot of hope. Is the fact that. We don't need to create a new media, you know, a new digital blah, blah, blah. Like, we just really need to lift up the, in, the the solutions that are already here. You know, we don't need a new drug to figure out, like, how to stop the problem. It's that people are just unaware of the solutions. And I think part of that, I see this in, um, in large um, events where I'm a speaker. When you say the word addiction you see that energy that that creates automatically. Like you see these, they're like shoulders come up, right? Because the word addiction brings, because we're humans and not robots, that it brings up somebody, somebody, somebody close, somebody you've read about, somebody you've heard about, a loved one, some type of a human being is connected to that story. And depending on some your relationship with that someone, energy gets created and emotion gets created. So in a room of a hundred people now everybody's like, like, right? You've got all these emotions you're setting in. And because of the stigma, nobody wants to talk about it. Right. So so in the room I can see it. I can see it. It's palpable where where there's almost this like I can't breathe kind of emotion. So I just have everyone take a deep breath and I like, okay, I just call it out for what it is. Like, okay, we just connected. Everybody's sitting in some big emotion. Let's just, everybody take a deep breath. I learned this in rehab. Let's, I, a parasympathetic something or other gets like, okay, let's all breathe. And you know, you can see the shoulders come down, you know, because even the word stigma, people will like, there's a reaction to that. Right. And but when we can call out the emotion and we can keep talking, like my goal is to make people a little bit more curious and a little bit more inquisitive, like, oh, it, it we don't have to have the conversation be about what the, is it a disease? Is it nature? Is it nurture? Is it, is it, is it, is it, is it the reason around it? But if we can just generate enough uh, curiosity around the solutions, then because of the power of uh, media and um, social media, every single human being has an opportunity to amplify something and the more curious people get, the more people understand what's available our hope is our goal is that they amplify that hope. That's that 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 the word stigma like you start seeing it, more and more, if you, if the only thing that, if the only experience people had with alcoholism and addiction was me climbing out of a gutter in 91, of course, right? Of course there's like judgment and stigma and all this other stuff. That's the very visible consequences of active addiction. What we don't see often, and when Journey started, is the um, benefits of recovery, right? We don't see that like... Beyond the handcuffs, or beyond the you know the that um, the next stage in those things, in the recovery process, we don't see that because people are some people are scared. You know, I didn't tell I was I worked with the same people for twenty years, and I never I never told people I was in recovery. I told five people in twenty years that were outside of the recovery rooms because I was afraid. And I think stigma is fueled by silence and fear and, um, personal experiences. So with the magazine, because we're out in communities, like we're at the tire dealerships, like we're at car dealerships, we're in nail salons and hair salons, and we're just out in community saying, ah. Treatment, is poss- treatment works, recovery is possible, and that there's hope, help, and support available. And all because one way to combat stigma is education.
0: One of the things that I find very appealing about what you're describing is what we often hear are the things to avoid and the reasons not yeah. to, um, I guess, have an issue with addiction, right? Mm. Because we don't want to lose our children because, you know, it's all right. the things that we're running from but what you're describing is a running or walking or strolling or whatever toward towards you're saying we're going to move to a position of strength and we're going to show you that this is possible and it is going to be a journey and it is going to require effort and it will be lifelong but it's it's out there Mm -hmm. and i mean it's it's so easy to try to Deal with the avoidance. Well, easy. Not always easy, but mm. but fear and anger and frustration. I mean, those get you so far. But the energy needed to actually positively move forward mm-hmm. is much much greater because it's such a it can be such a long term process.
1: Yes, I love that, and I really love the highlighting of moving towards instead of away. And I think that's the power of honestly the twelve step community. I'm a twelve step baby, and is that when people share their stories and you know that they come from the same kind of place, like uh, uh, the dark night of the soul for those that know what that is, they know what they know other people have experienced it too. when you talk about it in a open and honest way and you and you see the like, I've been there, that type of really relate, re- relate to a story and then you hear about um, them, come on the other side of that dark night and you know the things that their lives have become after that spot that until you hear it in a room where you trust to the speaker and the messenger it you don't even know it exists you don't even know it exists, but I think that's the benefit of the twelve. I, I thank God I'm a twelve stepper because my world, my experience with addiction, my experience with life in general was very, very minim- minimal. It was, you know, my my um, my the the fact that I am an alcoholic and a drug addict exposed me to a world that I never knew could be possible for someone like me, a woman like me, a mom like me. But when I hear other people talking about, yeah, I was there and now I'm over here, I'm like, oh, maybe it's, maybe me too. Maybe it's possible for me too. We have uh, one of the sayings in our programs is, uh, yet, you're eligible too. And it was always, I always heard it in my early days as you're eligible too for being arrested while drunk, been there, jail, been there. You know, like you're eligible too for that stuff that hasn't happened. But at some point along the ways, I saw that you're eligible to is that life better than you can even imagine it. it I remember meeting with a woman. At, I was four months away from a drink and, and I was I was on this like cloud nine, which is what happens when you stop putting crap in your body and you start getting a clearer head. And uh, she just, she listened to how happy I was. And she said, she said, oh, this is just the tip of the iceberg. <laughs> you can enjoy it. Enjoy it. but without that exposure to what's possible, there's nothing to there's no compelling vision of a future for someone like me without being in a in a space where people are honestly sharing their lives. And I think when when you come through the hell of that, there's someone in front of you that is sharing a compelling vision for what's possible for you too for me too. So I love that that. That moving towards instead of away from, and that's what we do with journey. We are no drama, no trauma, no triggers. We are all about the hope, and um, really, our goal with every single issue in the magazine is really that people put it down and say, you know, that there's a that there's a compelling vision of maybe that's possible for me too.
0: I like the idea of yet as a word also because it's more of that growth mindset. It's more of that kind of learning-based approach, which is, well, I might not be there now, but I'm just not there yet. Yeah, yeah, So exactly. it's just, uh, again, it's just all part of the process that you, you haven't closed any doors on yourself necessarily. Right, right, There's always that opportunity that exists to do something
1: differently. Yes. Yes. And, and I think with the uh, being in recovery, like I'm surrounded by people who've been there before me. Right. So even starting a business, there are people in recovery that have started their own businesses. So that, that I trust the messenger, I trust the messenger. So there's always that, um, that when we stop, you know, dying, that we can start living and that that life is, can be very different than our, than just not um, hurting. I think that there's a, there's, you know, there's with the opiates these days, like, thank God I got sober before that. Thank God. Um, it's just awful. It's awful to watch. And, you know, there's just such a lack of understanding about the drugs, and it's not that people are getting high and woohoo. It's like smoking a joint at the Dead concert. It's like when they stop using drugs, every single nerve ending in their body screams out for a thousand kinds of pain. That if you don't, if you can't, if you don't know what that's like, thank God, thank God, you don't know what that's like because it's awful. It's awful, and you know for those that have no experience with what that's like, uh, 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 some people can lean into the science and there's brain scans, right? There's a whole science aspect that they can, that they're, that some people can lean into science once they become aware of it, but you have to get past that. We see this with our events. You have to get past that initial stigma, judgment, drain on the humanity and the state, like, there's this, like, there's this, like, ick right there. Um, and once you can, once you can get past that first hurdle and start, for some people it's science, for other people it's compassion, like, they've got, they connect to somebody. Some people just never, they'll never be able to change their mind, they'll just never be able to change their mind. But, um, but the more, I believe the more we educate people on the, the science that we have today, that's the go off in a little soapbox that's the worst part about it is that we have brain scans that prove the science behind addiction and alcoholism that we didn't have in the 90s or the 80s right like we have modern technology has allowed us to understand what is going on for the human body around this topic and yet we don't use the advancements in communication and, and social media and media and marketing and publishing to lift up that information and tell people, like, tell people. Like, it's not like here's your brain, here's your brain on drugs. It's like scientifically an X-ray of your brain. And in this issue of Journey Magazine, we actually have a, a uh, an article from uh, about the brain science. It's from a... Uh, PhD, the RecoveryAnswers.org, like this is their world, and our our hope with our our media company is to lift that really important and valuable information up, and put it in places that can help people connect to that information. So we're in the jails and the prisons and recovery centers and with community members who just think they're broken. You know, they just think they're broken. And we use everything we can to put that out there. Put that out there. Because there's so much lack of understanding.
0: I, I agree with you. I think that we, there's, there are still people who believe that there's some sort of moral yeah. um, lacking yeah. in an individual who, is quote choosing to use Mm -hmm. whereas choice is so much more so much more physiologic Uh (laughs) i mean it's like it's like your psyche is has to move your body towards something that it just needs physiologically Uh Uh and i don't think that people really quite understand the level to which that is true um I, i also think structurally in our society now it's become I I believe, it's become more attractive to consider I don't know what some people are, they've now called it the sober lifestyle. Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. sober curious. Yeah, yeah. Which I think, I mean, it's just a rebranding of what has been going on for a long time but I think the ubiquity of um, hap, you know, a glass of wine equals happiness mm-hmm. or because social events means using these substances. Mm-hmm. I think that is kind of convinced many people for a very long time that if you don't do these things then somehow you're missing out yeah and also yeah. i mean as somebody i i just i choose n- not to drink alcohol and that's just a choice i make it doesn't really matter why
1: right right but
0: then i'm in a situation and people are like oh you don't drink why <laughs> i'm like like well, I don't know. Why don't you drink coffee? Like what's the yeah. like isn't it isn't it okay to make that choice? Yeah. No matter what my reasoning is. Right. Right. But I, I think that's become more accepted now than it once was. But isn't that strange that we, we judge people for not partaking in a substance that for some of us would be fine too? And for other of us, of us maybe it's not so fine.
1: Right, right. And I and around many things, right? Around many things, sugar. Sure, sugar. I have, you know, and I, I guess part of the part of the work is being a human. For me, is to be able to, be, like you said, be okay with just saying, yeah, it's not for me, and be okay with that, and letting go of of the look or the questioning or the right. Let me buy you something that you might like, and maybe you just haven't had the right drink. That actually happened to me one time, um, and just being okay with not caring what you know, and being really solid in how I maintain my own value system. That um, can be really tricky depending on how I take care of myself, honestly. Because for me, I believe that I have so many, um, I have so many things between me and that very first drink. So many things. I had nothing between one and two. I really believe that. Like if I were to pick up a drink, I all of my filters would be down, so I use everything I can between me and that, and my, that's my responsibility. I really believe that that that's I my, I do my part, and the universe does their part. But the um, I think what I, I don't I don't go to war against the alcohol industry or tobacco or any of that, but. It, One of the things that I constantly have to breathe through is um, alcohol that is served in, like, gumball containers for young ones. Yeah, I think that that they just keep marketing it. You know, they're, like, this big, and they're right on the counter, and I... I just breathe through that. I just breathe through that because I know that they're that they're they're targeting young ones. You know, the earlier the better. And I, uh, I think prevention pay I think I think regardless of it, at whatever stage that is, whether it's alcohol, drugs, sugar, or um, isolate, like all these things that where the human psyche finds some kind of comfort in, and it becomes harmful for them. That the conversation can help with that at every stage. I, I was listening to one of your podcasts and it was, a, I can't remember who it was with, but it was about having one solid human in your life, right? One person that you can trust. And whether that's an adult for a child or an adult for an adult, that that having that, having community or a single um, model of um, being able to say something really hard um, is how, as humans, we can combat that advertising. Right? Like we can, we can step away from that. Um, and I've been in me. I've been in uh, business around business events where, when I first when I first started journey, I was in a, a women's. Um, like a mastermind group of women professionals. I had a a consulting business and we went around the table and there was eight of us there. And then when they got to me, I was the last one. I said, I'm a drug addict. I'm an alcoholic. I'm starting this thing. I don't know how I'm going to do it, but I believe that Visible Recovery will save lives. And I'm just going to start this business. And then two other women opened up. Like it was fascinating like all, sometimes all it takes is like one person to be real in a situation like that where it becomes okay it becomes okay to have a conversation i think with the what i've seen at like the chambers and the rotaries is is that i can i have to now i have to say who i have to say why i'm there which is a drug addict and alcoholic i have no problem with the terminology for myself self identifying to me is really important and I think it gives permission to people to talk to me after the fact, you know. I think that the more visibility we have, we'll attract people who may need to be attracted to someone who can say, I'm an alcoholic. Um, You never know. You never know who's in the room. You never know who is really, really struggling and just needs to connect with someone they know has been there on a real, you know, even if it's a, a surface-y level, it's it never is. Honestly, <laughs> it never is. It it never stays at the thank you for sharing, it the the walks out to my car. There's always a hug. It's a weird thing, right after COVID, there's always a hug. Um but with the magazine and the media, we do a lot we do engagements, we, we we're out in communities. We were at the blueberry festival in Machias not a place you commonly talk about addiction, right? We're there with safe drug disposal. We're there for prevention. We're there with Narcan. We're there with our magazine. We're there to have the conversation. And I I can see, we see how people's shoulders drop a little bit, you know, because there's hope out there, because there's hope out there. So I see when when you go to a restaurant, and you're like, no wine list, I don't need that, that that actually gives permission to other people if you're with another couple. And they'll be like, yeah, I don't need to drink tonight. Yeah.
0: No wine for me. And or, you know, and one of the things that I love to do is I love to go to restaurants and say, wow, look at that special drink that's made just for me that has no alcohol yeah. in it, and it tastes great. Yeah. I'm always so appreciative of the things that somebody has taken the time to kind of Put together to taste that little special something so I can celebrate too. Yes,
1: yes. And that means a lot. It means a lot. And more and more are doing that. Have you noticed that more, like, yes, more and more restaurants are. really encouraging inclusivity and serving all of their community members and that's with you know drinks that are really in the fancy glasses with you know really interesting combinations of liquid that don't include alcohol don't include alcohol and the more we I believe the more we see that the more we will see that right there's going to be this like there's that that wasn't true 20 years ago, right? That wasn't even true probably five years ago, right? It's only in this like sober curious, sober sober interested. I think COVID did a lot to like fuel all of this desire to really look at um, not drinking, not drinking when we go out. So I think that the, hopefully we'll see more and more. It's all over the place, really. They have, I, in our, one of our issues of Journey, we did this article about, um, There's 14 football stadiums that have a yellow section for sober people, 14 of them. The Patriots have a yellow section for people, they don't call it their, they might actually call it their sober section, I'd have to reread the story, but it's for people who want to enjoy an event without alcohol. Fascinating, right? And they're all season tickets, at the Patriots, like you know, this isn't this isn't a, a small this doesn't affect a small portion of our population, right? If fourteen football owners are saying this is important to us, it's an important topic. And the more we see that, the more we will see that. I really believe it. I didn't know yellow was like the topic. Like that's the color, the yellow section. They have them at concerts. They have them with um, footballs. They have football people. They have theaters. Like it's it's starting. And I think the more that we, the more that we can um, say thank you to the restaurant that provides that, or thank you to the Patriots, or thank you to the concert that offers that opportunity. The more that they'll see that we're serving a population of people that's important to us. You know, the more that we'll do that, I like this ripple effect that will start to spread this, like, how do we be more inclusive? Regardless of why people stop drinking, right? Regardless of why. But to be able to enjoy an event without having alcohol spilled on me, you know, that's a, a thank you, patriots.
0: (laughs) I didn't realize that, and so I find that fascinating, and I also am very grateful to organizations that make that choice. Um, But I liken it to the non-smoking section. Yes.
1: I mean, for such a long
0: time, everything was a smoke. And people who were not born before a certain time will never know what I'm talking about. Right. But first of all, everywhere was smoking. Yeah. And then we got small non-smoking sections yeah. and of course you, you sit in a non-smoking section. It's right next to the smoking section. Yeah. So yeah. It's <laughs> like you're, you're on a plane and the next row back would be the smoking section on a plane. Yeah. Yes. People, yeah. this did happen. It was a few <laughs> years ago, but, um, but I, but then eventually it came to a place where it's like, Oh, well, actually maybe we should be primarily right or entirely non-smoking. Yes. And I don't want to stigmatize the people who choose to smoke. That's not the point. Right, the point is right. that if if you're choosing to do something and make something available over here, it actually, there is going to be an effect to the people over here who may not choose to do that. Right. So how do you strike that balance? Right,
1: right, right. And there are there are also, um, um, what do they call like sober cafes in New York and Boston and places where they have... Um, I don't think they call them bars. They call them something, but it's just a, it's just a venue where they serve they serve drinks that are not made with alcohol, where there's dancing and bands and live music and coffee shops. Like they're 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 popping up all over the country as a way for people to have kind of a third space to go. That's not work. That's not home. It's called a third space, and and uh, and to enjoy an outing, um, or an event without the, without that, um, um, actually, I don't even know if it's without as much as it is welcoming, being more inclusive of those that choose not to drink for whatever reason or, right, that, that, um, for whatever reason, but there's a, a a movement towards the more healthier lifestyle that excludes alcohol, We don't do a lot of that in the magazine because our focus, because of our distribution, like our goal is really to lift up and amplify the resources and coming from people that are most of us are, I would say half of us are in recovery. It's a, you know, we're not all in recovery, but um, is that we have an opportunity to share a message to people who know that we've been there, you know, so we're a little more trusted. Um, But I think that the... I can tell you, the person who's sitting in prison right now for drugs has no idea about the yellow section of the Patriots, right? Like they don't have. There's no awareness of all of the all of the society that is now shifting to this more inclusive, more welcoming um, message to the masses. I think that with Journey, I hope I hope we'll see more signaling. I know that there's a. I hope we'll see more signaling. I, I have a. Um, um, an event coming up at Colby College to talk to some students up there, the healthcare students, and one of the questions that often comes up with healthcare providers and and also others that are interested in what we're doing is like, what can we do? Right? What can we do? And I I think for the the people that are um, people facing, I'm not sure how to say that, but is. Is you don't have to ask them directly, like, do you have a problem with alcohol? But if you put up a, a poster that talks about find, finding help, anti stigma posters that are really um, that message how important it is to be able to ask for help and resources, that, that type of signaling is so valuable. And I was thinking, I went to my PCP or my person, and they're like, are you safe at home? Like, what am I, I, I don't know how many, I mean, I, I'm guessing it's a requirement that they have to ask that, but I can't, okay. Um, is that what would probably help me more is like um, a domestic violence poster that I can look at in the, you know, quietly with the phone and take a picture of the QR code. Like, that would probably help me more than some random person asking me if I'm safe at home. If there are firearms at home, like I'm guessing that's all required because they've been asking me every time I go in now. But but I guess that 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 signaling will probably be would probably be more helpful to the person who is not feeling safe at home, because if they're not feeling safe at home, they're certainly not going to feel safe with some random person coming in for three minutes. Just my thought. I completely agree with you. (laughs) So the more we signal, the more the more we get to amplify hope. The more the more people that that talk about recovery, and the more people that say, "I'm choosing to not drink here," the more people will, I believe, they'll they'll create a ripple effect. This is our. um, I brought you one for for, Oh, I love it! Amplify amplify hope. hope. Yes, is that, and I have it um, pointing towards me because I believe every human being has an opportunity to do it. Then, when people become aware of the type of hope that they could amplify that could actually save lives, like we're hoping they'll choose to do that. We hope they'll choose to amplify messaging that reduces stigma, sends a signal to others that it's okay to help, ask for help, that we've been there, we survived, and there's an amazing life on the other side, like that, that that's the type of um, messaging that we'd like to see more people do. With the magazine, with this issue that's coming out next week, we have this like, it's our first type of new thing in our magazine, and it's a, it's called Burger Glue, and it's a, it it's a poster, it's an anti-stigma Narcan poster that you can rip off the magazine and hang up on your wall, and it's our first attempt at trying to, um, extend the, um, extend the. amplification for other people to help us because the magazines stick around forever. And like, we want them to be able to hang something up. So this is our first attempt at that. Um, But we know that we know that people pass it along and everybody knows somebody and that the more we for Journey, we keep our focus on amplifying the hope and resources and personal stories and that um, more people will live. One of the things that
0: you mentioned is um, your children Yeah. early on. Yeah. And having recently spoken with Rebecca Hoffman about intergenerational impact, yeah. you know, it, it really strikes me that what you were doing for yourself was also something that was going to impact others around you mm-hmm. and in particular, the next generation in your family, your Absolutely. children. Yeah. And I think that there's so many layers to it. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's the, at the time, providing, a, you know, a physical and safe home, which obviously you move to that place with them. But then there's also the modeling of uh, moving towards something different and yeah. taking on something new. And I know you've done that not only through... Working with your own recovery, but also starting a magazine that you know a little later in your life, and you know, and deciding, okay, I I wasn't there yet, and now I'm at this new stage, and I'm I'm gonna keep moving forward. And I think that that's so important for people around us, but specifically our kids.
1: Yes, absolutely. I know my kids' lives were saved because of Macaulay residents. Macaulay is a multi generational. I mean, it affects ripples, right? So, um, but my um, my kids have seen, I always felt like I was like this far ahead of my kids on the maturity scale, <laughs> like trying to figure out like this far ahead. Um, but I was a single mom for 10 years. And, you know, the trying to balance, you know, two small kids, I was 30 years old, I bought a house and I was sober, thank God because of the community. Like I had this community of mamas around me that helped me get through what being a a single mother in early recovery looks like. And at each stage, so in 2000 is when I got, I went from junior developer, like eight people down from a CEO in a call center to director of IT in one week. So Dire- junior developer, learning at the speed of light in a commu- in an environment where I'm just like soaking it all into. Everybody got laid off above me. Massive layoffs. I now run IT. I've never been to college. I've never been certified in any technology. And now I'm, I'm in charge of other people's salaries. And a lot of tears, a lot of uh, overworking, a lot of like, figuring it out. And, uh, my kids saw all that. Like my kids were part of that, like process of, you know, I don't know how to do this, but here's where I'm at. This is where I'm at. This is what the position I find myself in. I can either, um, make a decision to go back to a junior developer and get, you know, get out of that or do everything I can to figure out what are the resources available to me? It was a lot harder back then because you had to buy these 300 word, like big books to read from the library. Um, This was in like 99 and 2000. And, uh, and, my kids are resilient. Like, they've got grit. Both of them are... My daughter put herself through college. Like, she's got an MBA, and she... Her study habits are so much better than mine. Like, I've learned from her. But, but you know, I can... I, I don't know what their paths would have looked like without me getting... But we would not have been together. Right? We would not have been together. Um, for sure. And I um i think probably as a mom who really struggled to be a mom um that my desire to be the best mom and just not knowing what that looks like as a sober woman uh that one of the best things we did was um family game night and uh and this is where i could see the ripple effect of traditions where when they were teenagers we played board games on friday nights and i think secretly they called it forced family fun and but friday nights was like board night they were not going out they weren't going to dances they were playing they were playing board games with their mom and the cat and uh and that started when they were young and we st- we still have family game day and they're 37 and 33 And now they're board gamers. Like that's a big part of their life. That's a big part of my life. That's a big part of our life. Like we play, we have a family game day um, monthly, you know? And I think that that, that is it like the, you know, uh, are they the relationships that I wished might be a better, I don't know, but they're pretty darn good. You know, they're pretty darn good. I have amazing kiddos and I I have to believe that my um, my own personal journey with them with me affected that like and the fact that we were we were able to um, we went to a Saturday twelve step meeting for years because they had babysitting and they got to know this woman named Jojo who was a little kooky and, you know, but she was their babysitter, but like every step of the way that all of that impacted them at a certain, in a a positive manner that had I tried to define that path for myself, I couldn't have created it. If that makes sense. Like I couldn't have said like, Oh, they're going to go to this school and they're going to go to this college and we're going to do that. I couldn't have done that. But, um, but, their trajectories changed forever, really, because of Macaulay. Really, Macaulay was the Macaulay was the catalyst for rooting in recovery for me with my my kids, especially with my kids.
0: Well, I guess in talking to you, I now understand uh, why you won the the SBA award. Yeah, yeah.
1: <sighs> I still don't know. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, yeah. I think it was a. Uh, I think it was. Um, uh, right time, right product. Um, It was an amazing experience. Uh, Amazing experience Um, because what I love about winning the SBA award, besides meeting the vice president (laughs) and and going to the White House, was um, that it put this conversation about addiction in a completely different audience. Like... and and has the ripple effect of winning that award, I now am invited to the table to have conversations about making recovery and even a little bit mental health, um, just to bring resources to bear for other audiences in a way that is digestible. And approachable and accessible. But with, at the SBA, we were, there, we were there with like engineering and accounting and right, like all these different um, types of businesses, and we're all about recovery. So it was, uh, yeah, magical, magical. I was shocked. I was shocked. Yeah, I cried for days. Yeah, yeah. It was an honor, an absolute honor.
0: Well, it's been an honor for me to talk with you today, Karen.
1: Thanks, Lisa. I've
0: really enjoyed our conversation.
1: Me too. Me too. Great
0: questions. I hope that those of you who are listening take the opportunity to try to get to know the work of Carolyn Delaney with Journey Enterprise, in particular, Journey Magazine which I understand has some fun and exciting things going on in the uh, in the upcoming slash current issue by the time you watch this. I'm Dr. Lisa Belisle. You have been listening to or watching Radio Maine, which is our video podcast celebrating creativity and the human spirit and is sponsored by and produced by the Portland Art Gallery in Portland, Maine. Thanks so much for coming in today. Thank you.